welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. This is Rachel Miller. Today I want to talk about from patient to student. And what I was thinking about today was how unmanageable my life seems right now. And how this is very reminiscent of how I felt when I was uh, first admitting that I needed to stop drinking. And the uncoordination that I had, uh, my mind, my body, my heart, like nothing was working together. It made me think about um, a child in, in preschool. And I remember being in preschool and I remember going up to the cool kitchen, the cool like kitchen. So I could act like my mom and you had like your pots and your pans and your, (laughs) and then I remember all the little stations in preschool. I remember a lot of stuff when I was in preschool. Some people don't remember any of that stuff, but I remember a lot. But I, I, I think about, you know, I felt very coordinated when I was my, like my memories of it. But when I look at another child, that is of preschool age trying to do things it's very uncoordinated you know like they're learning how to uh use their motor skills uh how their mind their body uh all trying to work together and um and the heart part I think more of like uh emotions you know like keeping that under control. It's kind of hard to do that as a kid. Well, when I was drinking, I couldn't control any of these things either. Um, my body obviously was just, um, just had this compulsion to drink. And that was all really my body felt, uh, a lot of times. And, and my mind was just, uh, they say, Uh, it's insanity. And, and I really feel like I was insane. I mean, I just, I didn't think rationally, you know, I think that's the best way to explain it. And then my heart was, I was crying, you know, overly crying, but yet not actually mourning anything over elated, but not actually happy um, on the inside. And so all of these things, um, just, just to me, were, were like that preschooler, um, trying to learn as a student of life. And, um, and it wasn't until I got sober that I actually started to learn how to manage all of these things and have them all work together in unison and and that's what i'm feeling right now i'm feeling like you know my my it's not really my mind my brain and my eyes are not working in unison and um uh an example is uh this evening we we were invited over for dinner uh at a at a family's house and There was one, two, three, four, five, six people, seven people around the table. And it was really difficult for me to 
have uh, to look at each person as they were talking around the table as as like everybody uh took turns you know sharing their stories and talking and stuff you of course want to look at the person who's talking but for me looking at each person around the table and back again um was i often I don't feel like something I don't know something's bothering me until I know that it's bothering until it's too late and so I think we hadn't even we had just gotten through salad and I actually felt like I actually had a little bit of a panic because I felt like I was going to fall over like sitting at the table and um and I wanted to get up and go lay down but I didn't want to get attention from anybody and and of course, my boyfriend, when I got home and told him, he was like, you just do whatever you got to do and we'll deal with it. So um, he's, I just can't, I can't express how lovely and loving and nurturing that he's been through all of this. Um, but so I feel very much like I, I'm uncoordinated, you know, all of this stuff just isn't working together. And, and so when I was drinking, I'm kind of going back and forth because there's just so much I'm feeling like, you know, like I said yesterday, my higher power prepared me for what I'm dealing with today. I feel like my, um, my sobriety has prepared me for this recovery. And so thinking about when I was drinking, um, I, I couldn't find grace when I was drinking. I, I worked so hard to get nowhere when I was drinking. Um, it reminds me of Flintstone. I always say this, it reminds me of Flintstone when he gets in his car after work and he's getting ready to to um to go home and he just starts he runs in the car but the car doesn't go any, anywhere <laughs> and then all of a sudden it goes Rrr. um that's what it that's what it reminds me of is when I was drinking I was just like running and running and working so hard but I wasn't going anywhere because I just was really fighting myself I was fighting I was I was fighting for a drink and fighting that compulsion to drink. And it was just like, I was, it was just me fighting myself. And, um, and I feel like up until this past week when I've really become willing to ask for help and to rest and to take care of myself, that that's what I was doing. Um, I was working like 10, 12 hour days. Even my boss was like, Rachel, you have to take care of yourself. And, um, you know, I didn't listen. <laughs> I didn't listen because I'm, I'm stubborn and I wanted to, I just wanted to fight it. And, um, and so I'm not fighting it anymore. And, it's not graceful to fight it. It wasn't graceful when I was drinking and it wasn't graceful when I was working 10, 12 hour days and feeling like shit. 
but doing a great job at work. I'm sure I was doing a great job. I know I was doing a great job at work, but it certainly was not graceful. I, I, if anybody could have seen what I was feeling like, they would have been like, holy shit, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, because I wanted to, I wanted to succeed and the will to succeed was, I was hungrier for that than I was to feel good, to feel normal, to be healthy. And, um, and there's something wrong with that. I don't, I don't know why that is. I don't, but what matters is that it took what it took and now I'm here and I'm, I'm asking for help and I'm talking and I'm, I'm going to begin a full recovery, at least as far as I can recover now that I'm willing to, to do it. And so the way that I did that when I was drinking was I learned from the others that came before me. That's what I do. I go to my meetings every morning at 7 a.m. and um, we read some sort of literature and then I listen to what everybody else has to share. And there's some people that, that are in those meetings and they've been in the in the uh, program for 35 years. There's others that have been in there for a few years less than me. Some there's there's some that that can't get through a week without picking up a drink. And yet I can learn from each of them. Just like I I talked about the other day learning from um from a a, a woman in my in my program who passed away. I learn from others and um and so how does that apply to, to what I'm doing now? Um, I've picked up a few books. So I read, uh, listened to, I didn't read, <laughs> I listened to, but I hear that to just, I'm just as smart to listen to a book than to read it. Um, but I listened to a book called My Stroke of Insight by Dr. Jill Bolte. Taylor and she's a neuroanatomist who actually had a stroke and so um, she talks about how fascinating it was to experience the very thing that she studies and um, and she she was much more affected by her stroke uh, just a massive stroke and she was able to make a full recovery and so listening to that, that drive is inspiring to me. And now I'm listening to a book called Stronger After Stroke by Peter Levine. And I'm just on chapter two right now, but it's talking a lot about how to, right now, how to build the importance of exercise and eating right and, um, and, exercising the parts of you that have uh, that aren't working so well because that part of your brain has been damaged so um, I'm not quite sure it's a lot about how um, it's aimed towards people who have part like um, their arm or their legs or their face or their mouth aren't working right and um, and mine is 
much different than that. Um, it's my brain that's not working right. I mean, that's how it is for everybody in the stroke, but you can't see the part of the part that is con the part you can't see the part of me that my the part that I can't I can't figure out how to put that in a sentence. <laughs> Let's try it. You can't see the part of me that was affected by the part of my brain that was damaged. There we go. And um because it's my vision. And so uh and I don't know that it's helpful for me to try to push, you know, moving my eyes around and stuff like that. But uh but that's what I'm gonna do in vision therapy. We're gonna do it really slow and and so so far I've learned that um I need to keep eating my smoothies and I need to take my walks and I have been going to the gym and lifting weights and that's just because I have been sitting around a lot so I want to make sure that I'm still strong because at some point I'm going to go kayaking again. That's uh, a driver for me. So... Um, In addition to learning from others, I'm learning how to ask for help. And I think asking for things is not something that I'm used to doing. I guess I remember asking my mom for a lot of things when I was growing up, but somewhere along the line, I started feeling like I needed to be independent and stop asking for things so um and I think I didn't realize where that line was where it's okay to ask for things and um and it makes me it makes me think about um in the job that I'm in now I had to well I was supposed to learn how to negotiate so my boss told me to um you know, I gave him a quote on something and he's like, I, you need to negotiate that down. So I'm like, all right. So I go back and I'm like, I'm just going to ask for what I want. So I got back on the phone with the people and I was like, I want to pay this amount instead of that amount. And they were like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm a pro. I can negotiate. Um, but anyway, I think that uh, it showed me that you're not going to get what you want unless you ask for it. And and I think that goes in so many different, you know, that applies in so many different ways in your life that you're the only one who's going to fight for yourself. And you're the only one who knows what you want. So, um, so ask for it. And, and it doesn't mean you're going to get it, but you're definitely not going to get it if you don't ask for it. And, um, you know, I could go around, I could continue to just keep working 10 hour days and, and not tell anybody that, that I feel terrible, um, and risk my sobriety because I feel like the answer is in muscle relaxers or some other kind of drug or alcohol. Um, or I can just say, Hey, you know what? I'm not feeling good 
and I haven't been feeling good for a long time. And, um, and you know what? People care. They really do care. And it's amazing how look, life does so much to you. You know, it, you, sometimes you'll convince yourself that nobody cares about you. And then, uh, and other times, if you just mention, I need help, or I don't, I'm not happy, or something like that, it's, people will come out of the woodwork to try to help you, but you have to ask for it, you have to talk, and I'm saying you, because I'm really, I'm talking to myself here, I'm talking about, I have to ask people, I have to tell people that I don't feel well, I have to say, you know what, I can't do that right now. Um, I have to take care of myself and uh, you wouldn't think that that's a very hard thing, but it's a, it's a big challenge for me. And so, um, I feel like in both my sobriety and, um, recovering from the stroke that, that the shift from being a patient, whether it was a patient in rehab or a patient in the, in the hospital, um, you have to, that shift from being a patient to a student is a really difficult one. You have to, um, acknowledge that you can't do it on your own. And just when you are leaving the facility that is helping you where the medical professionals are, just because you're leaving there and you're going off to, um, you know, try to figure out how you're going to live with your new condition, whatever it is, whether it's sobriety or, or, um, vision impairment. The only way that I think I'm going to be able to keep going as if I continue to be a student. And um, I love being a student. I never wanted to graduate from school. I wanted to go to school for the rest of my life. And, and I didn't realize that, um, that I can be a student for the rest of my life. And, and when I got sober, I learned that life, we don't get a handbook for it. And so every day I get to keep learning how to do this and how to do it better and better and how to be more and more full of joy and to let go of things and, and just breathe and be okay, be okay with who I am. And, and because of that, I, I know I'm going to be okay, that I know I'm going to be able to approach this stroke recovery in the same way. I'm going to continue to, to look to uh, educate myself with books and ask my doctors and, and share this podcast because I'm hoping that I'm hoping, honestly, that I'm going to connect with somebody who's like me. And um, and I'll have somebody to talk to. Because so far, I haven't found anybody 
who has the same stroke um, symptom symptoms as me. There are little things here and there that are the same, but um, this one's kind of weird. It's it's very much like a concussion is what the doctors are saying. So anyway, I'm hoping by reaching out that I'll be able to build a network of people that I can talk to. And, um, and until then, I'm just going to keep doing this because it's working for me. And um, I think you can probably hear a little bit more of a smile um, behind my voice than, than on the first episode. So that means that I'm progressing. And it's um, progress, not perfection. So with that, I will end for tonight. And thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.